Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, Espionation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, today with Burkus Circus. Uh, how you doing, Burkus? Uh, good. I just came back from watching uh, Eternals, a new Marvel movie, and then I have a beer league game after this. So, yeah, we're uh, chilling. Awesome. And yeah, we're both mourning the Browns doing their usual Browns things on a Sunday like we always do. But let's talk about something happier. The uh, big news in Blue Jackets land this week is the announcement that on March 5th, the number 61 will be raised to the Raptors. Rick Nash's number will be retired for all times uh, for the Blue Jackets. It's a big moment. This is the first time that a Blue Jackets player's number will be retired. So, Brickus, I know that you are much younger than me. So to, to a Gen Z jackets fan what does rick nash mean to you he basically was the blue jackets like they (laughs) said in the video that the team released which uh is fantastic you should check it out if you haven't seen it that you know he's synonymous with this franchise uh and until you know you ended up with bobrovsky and to a lesser extent jones or wierenski like he is probably the only blue jacket someone could name unless they happen to know that was Yeiserman that spent a bit here? Fedorov. Fedorov. That's the Red Wing that did that. <laughs> but yeah, so he was drafted, what, two months after I was born, to give you an <laughs> idea of this? Uh, so yeah, he, like, it's indescribable, really, how, like, he was really the only bright spot for this team up right. until, well, he was traded, and then up until, like, midway through the 2013 season. So I guess that was about a season after, but still, mm-hmm. he was basically the entire franchise. And I feel like kind of, this is going to go off into a tangent, but it's almost probably a similar way to what the chill was to getting the Blue Jackets here. I think that's the same role that Rick Nash had in keeping the Blue Jackets here and keeping us from being thrashers a bit further north. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if he maybe had that much impact because, again, I feel we, we had committed local ownership which is the reason why this team didn't move then. Um, But I do think that, yeah, he, for a long time, he was the Blue Jackets. I had a feeling that, yeah, his time getting drafted was going to sync up with with you being born. So I wasn't sure how much of, uh, you know, 
prime Rick Nash and Columbus you actually had memories of. Um, but for, for me as a day one fan, yeah, I kind of grew up with him. Uh, actually, yeah, we are roughly the same age. I think he was born like two weeks after I was. So it was a big deal seeing someone my age get drafted by the team and then play for the team and, you know, grow up with the team. You know, he was easy to latch on to as a favorite player because he was a number one overall pick and he was like the first homegrown start that the team had. It wasn't someone that we got in the expansion draft or that we traded for yeah, late in their career like Federov. Um, you know, he was a guy that he was ours, you know, and it was special seeing, you know, him and become the captain. And it was finally, okay, this is a captain that has been homegrown and really cares about the team. Um, I remember it was shortly after becoming captain that Mr. Mack died. And so Nash spoke at the memorial service. And I felt like that was a a big moment in his maturation and, and becoming a leader of the team that he was able to get up there and speak like that and, you know, give a very heartfelt expression of, of relationship there between the players and ownership at the time. Now I, you know, also have complex feelings about Nash because of the way that his time here ended. And it's taken me a while to kind of reconcile those things. Um, I did finally write about it last November when I started the Jackets 20 series. Uh, So I looked up that article on Thursday after the announcement came out and realized that I had written it exactly a year to the date for when they announced his Jersey retirement. Um, But I feel like, you know, to talk about Nash, you have to, you can't just talk about the way it ended, but you also can't gloss that over. So I think you you need to take both the good and bad. Um, But I do think that, that looking back at it, that the good should outweigh the bad, that we shouldn't forget just how tremendous of a player he was and the ridiculous stats that he put up here. Um, Jay Fresh, who is a hockey Twitter guy, posted the uh, player cards that he has for Nash, and like he was putting up really, really great stats, not just the goals and assists, but like his underlying numbers were fantastic. I mean, he was truly one of the best players in the league for a number of years there, and I think oh, it gets yeah. overlooked because he was on a lot of bad teams. Um, zero help. Zero help here. So, so the Jackets have lacking team success, which I know some people have said that Maybe he doesn't deserve to have the number retired or not yet because he wasn't part of that many winning teams here. But again, I don't think that that's his fault. I think he was a key part of the the 09 team that did make it to the playoffs. And then the teams after that that didn't make it, it's not because of anything that Nash did. He did everything he could to drag the roster as far as they went. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like it's worth retiring his number. Yeah. Because for people who didn't see Nash as a blue jacket and there's, you know, we're, as the team goes on, there's going to be more and more fans that weren't around for that part of the history. They can look up some of the wrestlers, say who is Nash. And then, you know, do some research, watch some videos and see that, Oh yeah, this was a special player here. Um, and who knows probably, you know, someday down the line, he might end up being our general manager, the way things are going. Yeah. Now, what do you think about the timing of this retirement? Cause that was another thing that, had people maybe scratching their heads a little bit. I I felt like it was inevitable that his number was going to get retired eventually. I did not see it happening this season. What about you? Personally, if I was in charge, I would have tried to do it last season as part of like the 20th anniversary celebration. But I get that that was probably not going to be optimal because of, you know, the pandemic and all of that. Right. You, you, uh, you have to do it when there are fans in the arena. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, 
I think uh, Tampa Bay, well, yeah, it was Tampa Bay, at the beginning of last year, was like, here is our banner. We're going to unveil, unveil what it looks like, but we're going to wait to raise our champions banner until we actually have fans. Right. Uh, and you have to, especially for a number retirement, that you have to also do. There's a bit of me that's like, yeah, you want to make it like maybe the like 25th, but then you have to wait four years. And honestly, at that point, like just put it up now. Sure. So I think it's fine timeline wise. Uh, I think this is also roughly the 10th anniversary of when he left the team mm. in 2012. So, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't really know the thought process of it, but I mean, and the 20th anniversary of when he was drafted. So, yeah, it make I, it makes sense from some angles. Uh, but I think the more interesting thing is that they're doing it against Felino. Yes. It's a bit of like a double captain thing. So it'll be interesting. And that's his first game back, too, so it'll be interesting how that works out. Yeah, that was something that I noticed right away, because um, I already had tickets to the game because it was Felino's comeback, but now I'm happy that I'll be able to be there for the Nash retirement. And, yeah, I had the same thought about you know Felino being there, and Portsline pointed this out in his Sunday gathering column, that you know there's going to be a ceremonial face-off, and typically it's captain versus captain. But you'd have to think that the Bruins will go ahead and send out Felino instead of Bergeron. And then you'd have that shot of the last three Jackets captains yes. right there on the ice together. And that will be that'll be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. That'll be really special, I think. Um, and that will really kind of bring things full circle, I think, from the Nash era to the Felino era, which is a very different you know step forward for the franchise. And then now... Now we're in a new era, and Boone Jenner is a carryover, but then he's also the new leader of this new era. So I think that's kind of a – you can see those three phases of Jackets history, those three yeah. decades of Jackets history represented on there, which is pretty cool. For the timing, I also wonder if – you know, presumably this is something that has been in the works for months. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they expected like, oh, this is going to be a rough season – so we have to throw the fans a bone and give them something to be excited about, especially in March of the season when things might be getting out of hand. Um, but then, of course, it gets thrown off a little bit by the team being more successful maybe than anyone expected through the first 10 games. So they have to yeah. come out with this announcement, and it's like, well, wait a minute, why are we talking about Nash when the current team is still doing well? You know, So that's uh, that's maybe didn't work out exactly how they had planned. Yeah. you. I mean, you need to announce it. Uh I mean, if they had thought about right. it long enough, I guess they could have announced it on like June first of last year because sixty one. But mm-hmm. I mean, kind of the same as like just a general timing. I mean, if you're gonna do it, why wait? Sure. Well, and then as it turns out, then the the on ice product uh, went downhill over the weekend, and we will talk about that after we get back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So the Blue Jackets finally returned to the ice after a long break. Uh, They were coming off of a three-game win streak. We were wondering how they would handle keeping that momentum going through the break. Uh, They had a rare home back-to-back against the Capitals and the Rangers, and they came away with two regulation losses. It was a 4-3 loss to the Capitals where they came back from a two-goal deficit and then gave up the winning goal with a minute 22 left. Then against the Rangers, they lost 5-3, and the Rangers scored three goals in just over a minute in the second period. So I actually thought it was two fairly close games, very closely played, that just didn't go their way in the end. What did you think? Yeah, from I didn't get to watch either of them live, but... From the reaction I've seen, it seems like that's the general vibe. Um, you know, we were, what, a minute and a half away from getting that Washington game yeah. to overtime. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Washington's dangerous to have Alexander Ovechkin, but we've been pretty good in overtime this season. So that could have gone our way, and we would have at least gotten a point out of it. Right. And then the Rangers game, similarly, if you take out a minute and a half, we win that game. Uh, right. Or even if we just limit them to one goal in that span then it goes to overtime but i mean you have to play a full 60 yep and in this league you'll it'll bite you yeah i agree you know our, our underlying stats for the first 10 games were were not great so it showed that we were maybe getting a bit lucky so it's not unexpected that things would turn a bit it's also a fact that we were getting really strong goaltending over the first 10 games and in these two games we really didn't both goalies played below expectations Corpusalo especially. I'm looking at the numbers here. The Capitals had 1.51 expected goals for the game, and Corpusalo gave up four. There were some bad turnovers in front of him, but also some of those goals are ones that he really could have had, and I think he would want back. Um, that winning goal was one of those fluky things where yeah. he, he, he got over like just a fraction of a second late, and the buck was just able to get between him and the post. Uh, just a really hard thing, but you know he just needs to be better. Last, you know, on Saturday night, the defense was was pretty poor in front of Corpus yeah. so they still were allowing. Uh, uh, sorry, against Brzezlikins, yeah, they were still allowing three point one three expected goals against, mm-hmm. which is not great defensively. So I think Elvis knows that he needs to be better. But in the Jackets' defense, in both yeah. of these games, they had more expected goals for than they allowed which has been rare this season. It was only the third and fourth games all season that they won the expected goals battle. So that's another sign of encouragement for the games, but they just need to find a way to get the results to match the work they're putting in. Yeah, I agree with you, but I really don't know how much of those games you could really blame on the goalies. Like, especially the Rangers one, there were like three goals from, I watched the highlight recap video that the NHL puts out. Like three of those goals with like Chris Kreider or someone else mm-hmm. was wide open in front of the net. Yeah. And you, especially with Chris Kreider, you can't let that happen. The corporate one was, yeah, that one was weak. Probably only one of those were what he should have saved probably. Mm-hmm. Like 
I mean, what, I mean, sorry, one of those ones was like, yeah, he had no chance. Right. So I don't know how much of that is more like just a general defense. Like we're missing. That's the thing. Like we're icing right now. Like Gavin Bayreuther, who, I mean, you're not Scott Harrington, and that's about <laughs> all. Right. Um, uh, and then also Carlson and uh, I mean peak. peak peak is fine like as a sixth defenseman, but honestly you really shouldn't be relying on him like as much as we have to right now. Right. So, I mean, you can't use injuries as an excuse, but we're, we're dealing with some injuries. So, but so were the Capitals too, though. Like they yeah. had Oshi gone, Backstrom gone, Nick Dowd gone. I believe for at least our game, Vanasek was still day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the Capitals, yeah, they've had those key injuries, but they've still been able to be successful despite it. Yeah. Uh, you know, both teams have been very successful this year. So, there's not necessarily any shame in losing to them, but, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that we hung with them is a good thing, but it also still feels like these are games that, that we could have had. You know, we had a lead, we had a 2-1 lead at one point in the Rangers game, and then they scored those three goals, and all of a sudden, that's it, the game's out of hand. One one last thing to talk about the games, though, is, so our fourth line is maybe our best line of late yeah and it's yeah. not even really a fourth line anymore it's like the second line at this point the uh Crowley line with robinson and texier they are on fire right now yeah i mean i know i, I noticed this after our, our last recording was basically we summoned everything we wanted <laughs> yes. um, like we were like man i can't wait till cylinder breaks through he has like five points in two games Man, I hope Texier performs better. He's like been doing outstanding on this bottom line. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know who Max. We're going to take out when Max Domi gets injured. He immediately gets re-injured. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, let's. I mean, we've been apparently are able to summon good things for this team. So yeah, uh, the fourth line's been doing really well. Texier's been handling his demotion in stride. Like he's looking uh, not fully there, but he's looking more like the guy that was expected to be the one one C. Uh, top center so i mean we're doing well so yeah yeah it seems like it's one of those cases that you hear coaches cite you know is roll your eyes at but where the guy is tasked with playing in a more defensively responsible role and somehow that gets him more engaged in the game and then he ends up getting better results on the offensive side as well i feel like that's what we're seeing from texier is that he's tasked with playing this on this defensive line and they're playing well defensively but then they're also able to create these chances on the other end which, you know, he was not creating those offensive chances when he was put on a line with offensive players and getting more offensive zone starts and all that. It's it's really counterintuitive, but uh, some, but somehow it's working. And seeing Crowley get to score his first goals as a Blue Jacket. Oh, getting, he looks so excited. Every getting time. to do it in front of the home fans. He got two goals in that Capitals game, and he was so pumped. And I was just excited to see that because yeah. it's such a good story to see hometown player get to play for the hometown team, you know, just like it was with Roslovic last year. Um, So, so to see, you know, Corrali thrive here is is really exciting. Um, And Roslovic unfortunately has fallen off. I don't, I have no idea what's up with his game. He's just completely lost out there. Yeah. Completely missing in action. Like he not great, but yeah, it's it's too bad. Hopefully they can find some line combination that'll, that'll work for him. Um, But getting back to the, Speaking of those guys and getting back to the Nash thing, it was cool to see that video where the whole team is there as Nash is finding out that his number's being retired, you know, and they show then like Corrali and Roslovic congratulating Nash. And it's yeah. cool because those guys grew up 
watching the Blue Jackets, watching Rick Nash, idolizing Nash. I've heard Corrali talk about how, you know, he had like an autographed Nash picture over his bed when he was growing up. And then they got to be teammates in Boston and the teammates were like ribbing Nash like, hey, this kid grew up with, you know, your autographed stick on his wall, which is cool. And then also cool in the video to see Jake Voracek congratulate him, given that they were teammates so long ago in Columbus when they were the young guys on the team together now. Voracek is the grizzled veteran. Nash is a front office guy, but it's just cool to see their paths crossing again and that they're, yeah. you know, and they've stayed friends, you know, ever you know, since they both left the Blue Jackets. They're, you know, it's just great to see that that bond in action. Yeah, I am. I openly have a man crush on Jakub Voracek. That man is an absolute beauty. He, for, he was my first, like, truly favorite player. Mm-hmm. I cried. I actually cried when he got traded, <laughs> but... Yeah, that was like that's the one. I that was the. I don't normally cry at things, but that was, the <laughs> one was like, damn. Okay, they're really gonna do this to me. Uh, yeah. So, well, that's uh, it, it's it's good to learn early that sports are gonna hurt you. I'm also a Browns fan, so yeah. but that one I've just accepted defeat. <laughs> uh, you know, go in with zero expectations. Yeah. Well, no, that's wrong. Go in with expectations of complete and abject failure, and then you're either right or pleasantly surprised. So. Yeah. Well, and that's why the Blue Jacket season has been pretty enjoyable for me because I didn't yeah. go in expecting very much from them. So they've already exceeded it. So it's just they're playing with house money at this point. But yeah, Voracek has been a, a revelation this season. He is he's totally locked in. He's fits in well with this roster. He's setting guys up. Guys are setting up. He got his first goal back to the Blue Jackets over the weekend. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's just great seeing him thrive here. And, you know, Atkinson's doing well in Philadelphia, so that is a trade that is definitely, so far, working out for both teams. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and But I will say, RIP to the dream of 082-82 Voracek. <laughs> yeah, and I think we've also lost out on uh, 51-0 and 51 Boone Jenner, but... Uh, uh, RIP. Yeah, well, I'm still, still holding out hope, though, for uh, for the 50-goal Boone Jenner. That, that might still happen, so the dream's yeah, alive. I'd be so down. <laughs> Max Chaos, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Before we go, we've got time for one last segment here. We want to check in with you for a jersey update. What do you have for us? Yes, Burgess Jersey Corner. I'm going to real quick check to see when our game again. I know we're playing Arizona soon. Oh, we're playing them on Thursday. Okay. Yes. I'll do Arizona. We're talking about the Arizona Coyotes and their Kachina jerseys. Uh, they just switched back to. And this one's going to ruffle some feathers. They're not good. Mm. Like, okay, the Kachina pattern itself is fantastic. The the lo- the logo is elite, right? Acknowledge this, right? The logo is great. The logo is a good logo. It's not a good sports logo. I think it's a bit mm. too overcomplicated for that. I, mm. I, I wouldn't mind them going just to like the head of that logo like they did on the reverse retro last year. Okay. I think it's just a bit too complicated. Like the elements get a bit too small and cluttered at a small at a smaller scale it does what it goes out to do and i'll give it that sure uh with like the honoring i guess like local indigenous like type design and but you know okay the home jersey the black jersey is passable like i really like it color balance is a bit weird with the green yoke and also i wouldn't i would avoid doing the v 
on the arms pointed down because that just messes with the pattern. But that away jersey, man, I just can't get behind it. There's there's too much, too many dark colors on it. The Kachina just doesn't really stand out that much uh, in the brick red. And then you got the green yoke with the black underarm fills. They all kind of compete with each other. And then for the most part, all of the coloring and like the logo and stuff is like that off-white sand color. And then the jersey itself is pure white. So that clashes a bit. Mm. It's a tough review for Arizona, honestly. Like, I just can't really... Like, it has its good parts, and its good parts are mainly the Kachina pattern. But I'm not a massive fan. It's like, I don't know, I'll give it a 4 out of 10 for... Eh, yeah, 4 out of 10 for the set. Home gets a 5, and the away gets a 3. Mm, interesting. So... I have been on board for, for the Kachina jerseys. I love when they had it as an alternate. I was happy to hear that they were going back to that as their primary set. I think the logo is great. I love when there's a logo that has that very local connection and is very distinctively, oh, yes, that goes with that city. That screams Arizona yeah. to me. I will give it that. It is very much a only Arizona can pull that design right. off. Unless they, unless they add a team in like Santa Fe, New Mexico or something. Yeah, when the Florida Marlins rebranded to the Miami Marlins, they came out with a new set of logos and uniforms, and it's not something that I would ever wear or ever like, but I could see those and go, like, oh, that's Miami. Yeah. And I think that makes it a great – like, that's distinctive for the city, and they've since gone away with it when Jeter took over, and it's bad, and anyway. But so I thought, okay, that's a very – when they had very just sort of plain – colors and numbers and stuff it just didn't so much scream oh that's an arizona team it was just kind of bland so this is at least very distinctive you know okay that's the arizona team i so i was at first taken aback when you did your october jersey rankings and you had arizona at the bottom yes but i think the points you made about the away uniform made sense as i look closer at the pictures and so like yeah the elements just don't quite fit Don't right work. together so yeah. i think i think the away jerseys could be better i still think their home jerseys are fine again not necessarily the color combinations that i would personally go for but my tastes tend to be a lot more basic and traditional mm-hmm. but i think the the logo is so good and yeah it's a little bit complex in terms of like oh is this something that you could you know draw and pen on your notebook you know that'd be a little tricky, but it's such a cool design and it's so distinctive that I think the logo elevates whatever it's on, even if it's not the ideal fit with all the other elements. The logo is so good to put it up higher, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's definitely very distinctive. It's definitely very on brand. I think if they just established more of a better hierarchy and layout in the colors, I think I could get on. Like if it was very obviously like what I would prefer of like the brick red and then the black and then the green. And like, there wasn't really any competition between those. I think then I could start getting behind it, especially if they moved away from a black Jersey. I don't like black jerseys. Right. They look I agree. like a white sheet of ice versus a team wearing white and a black puck. It tends to look kind of boring and monochrome. Yes. When you, instead you get like Maple Leafs red wings and it looks fantastic. Or even like teams that, are still have colors but are less traditional like san jose versus dallas like that's mm-hmm. really good sure yeah that makes sense um, but yeah i think if they just establish that more of a color hierarchy i think then i could I, I would bring it to just the head logo i think i would really rise it up to like seven eight to type category all right that makes sense so again nhl teams if you're listening hire burkas to design your jerseys <laughs> yes please i would like to do that that would sound 
very fun. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Stay tuned this week as the Jackets head out west and play at Arizona and at Vegas and try to stay up for those games. It'll be a challenge for me, but I'm going to see if I can do it. (laughs) And we will talk about that next week. See you next time. See ya. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates. at the end as a little easter egg for people who stay all the way yes there we go i'll do that uh i'll test my editing skills again